Welcome to Grace 360, a vibrant discussion on issues of diversity that we hope is engaging, biblical, and slightly entertaining. The goal of these podcasts is to create a healthy, honest, and helpful discussion for Christian educators, parents, and students from a biblical perspective on current cultural issues relating to diversity. Diversity, for our purposes, is related to the acrostic grace, gender, race, age, ability, culture, and economic status. While we don't have all the answers, we hope our discussion is thought-provoking and helpful. Welcome to Grace 360. Well, good morning. I guess whatever time you're listening depends on whether it's morning or not, but I hope whatever time of day it is that you did have a good morning. Um, This morning, Dan Panetti to Marcus Ragland and I, Jenny Brady, want to discuss the topic of faculty and staff of color. Cindy DeLeon was unable to be with us, so Dan and I actually plan on interviewing Tamarcus about this topic. Tamarcus came um, to our faculty and staff three years ago. This is his third year of being with us. And so we wanted to ask him some questions based on some statistics that we know and um, also based on some conversations that have come up recently. So just to get the conversation started, there is some demographic information that we wanted to share. Um, First of all, uh, national statistics in 2015-2016, black teachers in America made up 7% of the faculty and staff. Um, The average tenure of faculty and staff of color is 2.7 years in independent schools. Um, Independent schools, as you know, includes private Christian and um, non-Christian schools. The average retention rate for majority candidates is 5.2 years. And it's important to know that the candidates aren't leaving um, schools as a whole, but instead they're leaving us to go down to the school down the street. And so we wanted to start the dialogue with Tamarcus, just asking about his experiences, his experiences of being the only male African-American teacher on our staff, the only male for even a year on our staff, teaching middle school Bible and history. And then also what he's learned along the way and um, just kind of how that plays out in his everyday life. So, um, Tamarcus, do you want to give us a little introduction of how you got to Prestonwood and what that looked like? My journey started uh, when I was in um, college, actually. Like some of the dynamics that I've experienced now um, was very similar when I was in school. I went to Moody Bible Institute in Spokane, Washington, and it was, you know, the, the school and the city was like 99.9% white. Um, and uh, it was also there that I kind of knew that I wanted to lean more towards um, education. And so I went back to my home church. I served there as a youth pastor for a few years. And my boss at the time, my mentor and friend, uh, introduced me to um, Jenny Brady. And we got to just talking about um, different things in terms of diversity, and they had us at the school to speak a couple times. Um, and then after a while, there was a position that opened up. He's like, are you interested? And I was like, absolutely. Um, just getting to uh, teach Bible to middle school students. And so I applied, and you know that was like a year-long process. <laughs> and then I landed here, and so um, been here for about three years now. And you know, it's been an interesting journey. So obviously you're not speaking for all African-American males, just like I don't speak for all right. white females. But in that process, was there anything that was kind of shocking to you about the interview process, application process? Is there anything, I know that you hadn't applied to other Christian schools at that point, but was there anything that stood out to you as, is this is a little different than I anticipated? Yeah, if I could speak to like my initial 
um, my initial situation. So my, like I said, my first job coming out of college was that youth pastor position, and it was my home church. I grew up there. It's a predominantly African American church, um, and you know I went through an application process there, went through interviews. Um, you know, honestly, uh, for me coming to uh, Prestonwood and going through the interview process and just uh, thinking through that, there was just so much insecurity of, you know, how am I being perceived? You know, at the time, um, my hair was, uh, I was had locks. Um, and I think after I got through the process of finishing applications and stuff, I cut them off because I was like, I don't I know. I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know what it was, how that was going to be perceived. Um, I don't know. It was just a ton of insecurity because of, you know, I don't know. I didn't know how I, it was going to be looked at, especially hearing, one, I'm going to be the only male. Um, it's not a lot of African-Americans here. Um, from what I had heard, I knew I had a couple students from my youth ministry that had gone here before, and they just talked about some of the difficulties they had. So I wasn't sure, you know, what I was getting myself into um, until I was kind of like in the heat of the moment. And happily, I was met with open arms uh, initially. And so that was refreshing and reaffirming. What do, you, what do you think would have helped you? Like go back to, you know, to Marcus three years ago. Could there could there have been something that the school uh, could have done, right, as they were going through the interview process and said, hey, this is the guy that we want. Um, would it have been helpful to bring you in to have conversations about just the cultural differences? Would it have been helpful to meet with maybe, you know, families of color to say, what's it like to navigate the waters here at the school? I mean, what, what could a school do if they're looking at increasing diversity to say, if we want to increase diversity in our staff, how can we help them so that, you know, there's, I know there's going to be, right, a nervousness or a tension uh, that exists, but how do, how do you think we could navigate the waters better to help you, right, sort of lessen that tension a little bit? This is kind of a it's a complicated answer to this question, so I apologize. Because before I actually got to come through, I think even my interview process and stuff, I had the opportunity to come to a training y'all did like the, it was kind of unorthodox to so a training y'all were doing before um, in the spring. And so it was, I had a one of my best friends always says like, um, people say a lot by what they don't say. And I just remember kind of just listening to conversations um, and then even some of the things that were being said um, that weren't directed towards me, I could tell that it wasn't perceived that it would be taken um, offensively. But being that, you know, I am who I am and I come from where I come from, um, whereas some people would talk about things from a very, like, objective point of view, um, faces and names come to it for me. So, um you know, I just hearing employees rag about Garland and how crummy of a place it is to live. And it's nothing but drug dealers and people there. And it's just unsafe. And, you know, the, the neighbors are crazy and, you know, unrefined and or whatever the case may be. And, you know, it's just the, the those people type conversations where I'm like, well, I'm I'm from Garland. I I lived in that neighborhood. Like I know I had friends that, you know, and it's just it just kind of becomes complicated to where you start to um, feel this pressure of like, okay, how much, when do I press? Do I, do I say something? If I say something, is it going to, what kind of boat is that going to put me in? Um, If I, you know, don't say anything, like, am I 
um, being a coward and cheapening out. Like it's just this constant like and this and what I've learned within my three years of being here is this is like an everyday process, mental battle of like, do I say something? Do I not say something? How do I say it? Do I make a big deal about it? I feel really passionate about this. Do I know? Why do I feel so passionate about this? Should I even be feeling passionate about this? And it's just like um, this kind of internal struggle. So there's a long roundabout way to get to your question is I think um, some of that has to come with individuals um, exposure and awareness to um, what it looks like for somebody to come from other places that you didn't. Like, I think um, before we even make a big push where we're saying, hey, we want to bring in and we want to do this and do that, like, there has to be some cultural sensitivity. I almost think about, like, if you were in, like, an exchange student situation, like, you kind of prep your staff and teachers for, like, hey, we have students that are coming from here. Here's some things, you know, we want to know. We want to make sure that we're being respectful and honor this and this, this, and that. Um, and I feel like you kind of need the same thing for staff, Um of any race or, or or culture that's coming in just so that um, there's that, like I say, there's that sensitivity. Um, otherwise, it just, so much of it is just picked up. I mean, this is interesting. I mean, the, the complex you know, conversation that you just had, I think is the whole reason we decided to start the podcast, right? Was was because in a, in a sense, you don't know what you don't know. Exactly. And so there's plenty of people out there that are just going through life Right, that don't know that there's a whole other culture of, of a different way of doing life and different way of seeing things. And right, I mean, you know, you're you're a brother in Christ, right? We love the Lord, and and, and the Bible tells us, you know, in a sense, in Christ, right? There's no difference between us. But that while we're living here, there's tons of differences between us, right? And so, for me not to know those, and for me not to experience those, and for you to walk into right a place, right, that I'm very familiar with and very comfortable with, right? Because in a sense, everybody everybody looks like me, right? And I understand the environment, but as you come in without me being able to recognize that, right? I just simply don't know what I don't know, right? So I think what you're saying is, you know, places need to start asking those questions about what don't you know about, right? What are the different cultures? And as different people come come in, right, how are they going to be perceived? And how is this going to be? How do we make them feel comfortable? And, you know, Jenny often says, you know, how do we show people that, you know, that we're anticipating them arriving? And so even if you're not looking at increasing diversity, I think these are good conversations for, right, schools, families, right, to, to have uh, anyway to realize that, yeah, di- different people have different experiences, different backgrounds. When When I say something negative about Garland, right, I feel... Like, oh, yeah, you know, Garland, when you're like, well, I'm from Garland, right? right. Are, you, are you saying that something <laughs> negative about me? And then if you said something, right, how would I respond? I'd be like, oh, no, no not you. I didn't mean it towards you. But Just in, them. Right. But in reality, right, you is them. And so I, I think that's a great, right, the reason we wanted to have this podcast was to have these conversations, right? How do we, how do we have these conversations? How do we wrestle with these things, right? And until... Right, a person who's from a different culture or who's a different color or has a different, you know, experience comes in, in a sense, you don't have to have these conversations, but I think these are really important to have. So I appreciate you coming in, right? I appreciate you going through all uh, the tension and the turmoil and the anxiety. I, I appreciate you spending three years mm. here with us, and I hope, you know, it's it's longer. Right. Um, you know, I hope you're not going anywhere. Um, <laughs> but, but th- I mean, this has been a great journey, really, for us, for our staff, for our kids, Right for all of us as a faculty to have to wrestle with things that before, in a sense, we didn't have to, but we should have. Right. Can I say something to the you said right? Oh no, no, not you, like them or like other people. Um, 
the the idea that often comes to mind when people say that to me, one, and I don't I don't want to monopolize this as like a minority thing, but I just think there's a level of like continuity, at least within my family and my friend group and the sphere of the culture that I move in where like there's a sense of solidarity because that's what that's what we have is each other and we can lean on each other depend on each other and it, there's a there's a togetherness um to that that I think oftentimes is is um, not fully comprehended but in addition to that I often have the thought of um like I had a professor who used to say and and kind of talking through you know when God says right um to in the way that we love one another we show that we love him right how could you love God who you can't see um and hate your brother and he used to always use the analogy he was like you know if somebody really wanted to show me that they love me um it's when they love my wife and kids when people show um value and and, and dignity to people that I love most it makes me feel even better um, and so I often think about when people say that, I'm like, well, I wonder if they ran into my cousin or my aunt or my uncle or whoever, my friend who I love and I didn't tell them I had any relation to them. How would they treat them if they just walked by them in the street or saw them in a grocery store or whatever, scrolled by them? on Would they have a lens of love as a person in Christ should have towards anybody? Um, Or would you say some of the same things you've said about them to my family? And that's what makes it hard for me to disconnect the, I'm like, no, when you say that, like you're, you're talking rather you process it or not, you're talking about real people. It's not just an idea of a person. You're talking about a real person. And I know real people who would fit that description, who I love. Are they perfect? No. Am I perfect? No. Um, but at the same time, you know, if I were to, you know, make statements about, you know, whatever, and it fit the description of people that you loved, you would take offense too, you know? And so it's just a, um, like I say, just that, that, that heightened awareness. Yeah. Well, I, um, as we get into this and as we discuss what, how we can better support, one of the things I did want to ask you is it sounds like as you came in, um, there, there's this term called code switching, that there was a point where you were you knew you had to code switch. You knew, you knew you had to leave part of you behind and enter into a predominantly white place. But then there was also this idea of you were carrying the weight um, of African-American males in your community and the community you were entering. So whatever you did was reflective um, whether it was intentionally or not, but it was in a way reflective on African American males. Can you discuss the the balance of that? How it how it is being you know proud of how God made you to be an African American male, but then having to code switch, and then also the idea of having to carry that weight. Um, yes, that's that's probably the most like active pressure I think um, on a day to day basis is just. Um, in a constant, I think even just from peer to peer, like a constant evaluation of like, okay, how much me can I be? And then how much do I just have to kind of, which to some degree, I feel like everybody has to do that at work in general, just because you're not, I mean, you're not at home and yeah. all that your work stuff. self versus yes. your other self. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, I will say like, I've worked in other spaces where I felt like that gap wasn't as wide right there's a sense of like professionalism that you have to have but then there's also a sense of like you should be able to be you without 
worrying worrying about you know comments or statements or whatever the case may be um and so for me that's that's kind of the the biggest struggle in terms of like carrying the weight of being you know the black male on on campus is as much as you know I say we say that I don't I'm not the voice of all black people or black men or whatever um I'm for many the only voice or the loudest voice and so you know that that means a lot which for me I'm constantly wrestling with how do I represent well um I'm also this is kind of a a side but still a part of that I'm also constantly wrestling with like am I like am I doing the best for my time like in the days where it feels hard and I feel like you know I'm not being heard or things aren't happening right and I'm thinking of you know people who've told me like you know oh you know there's so many kids in you know this school or that school that would really you know benefit from having representation that looks like them there um even going you know I've walked through some schools that you know were predominantly African-American and just you know for whatever the reason and just like looking at the look on the students faces where it was like a clear picture of like oh like is he gonna be here like I don't care if he's like the in the lunchroom like I just you know to see somebody else that looks like them there and so it's like you know could I should I be doing that and then I'm like no there's a value here and like the work the work that I'm doing here is important too um and so there's just a um I don't know lots of internal struggle which granted y'all have given me a space to talk about it but I feel like if I talked about it too much on the day-to-day like it would sound like I'm whining um and so I end up not talking about it too much but then that also um it just kind of builds yeah and I don't know I mean I haven't been in that situation so I don't know where the safety level is of of who I talk to where I share the information and that is I would um I know that when we hired you I was so excited for the very few African-Americans that we had on that campus with you being the only male African-American on that campus as a teacher um but I also was so excited for our majority students because the majority um I, I mean I'm generalizing and I shouldn't do that as a director of diversity but um, and then the generalization, I'm assuming a lot of them don't have a lot of interactions like you're talking about, not only with the faculty and staff not having interactions with African-American males, but also our students not having that interaction. So for that, I'm so grateful that um, not only have you surpassed the 2.7 years, but um, you're continuing with us and we're all learning from you and growing from you. So, I, w- I would ask one question. Um, for the for the school that has a, a majority, you know, of white and, and a person of color is coming in, um, what do you do when when some of the um, interaction that people have had has been negative with a person of color, right? And that sort of negative that, that negativity, right, is sort of uh, placed upon you, right? The you know the um, you know the the teacher whose you know spouse didn't get a job because of you know quota system or whatever, and all of a sudden, right, you walk in representing a lot more than just you know, hey, here's Tamarcus, right? You represent, in a sense, right, an entire race. I mean, do you feel that tension? Um, because as we've had more conversations with staff and as we've begun to kind of dig into these things a little bit, like I, I feel the tension, in a sense, for you, um, but I don't, I don't know what to do with it, right? And so I, I think from a from a school standpoint, you know, and we tell them, hey, diversity is important, um, it does raise a lot of issues, right, that, 
you know, in a sense, you could kind of gloss over and say, hey, let's not, you know, wrestle with these things. But as you bring in people from different cultures and all of a sudden you've got to wrestle with these things, how can you do that in a way that really, you know, is, is God honoring? And some of the conversations I know that you would like to have with people, how do you hold your tongue sometimes uh, as opposed to saying things to them? Does that make sense? That's a lot thrown out there. Oh, yeah, no, no. All right, so I just want to make sure. So how, so am I speaking on behalf of the, you're saying the, the majority culture who's bringing in a um, an African-American or someone in the minority culture and, like, how to um, make sure that they're being treated as an individual? Um, and then on top of that, um, the last part of that is kind of the dealing with the the conflicts. Am I understanding that right? Yes. Um, I think one of the big things is first and foremost, don't be surprised or at least like if you are save it, um, that they are a gifted and talented individual. I can't tell you how many times people have been like, I mean, you're, you're an anomaly. You're, you can coach, you can teach, you know, the Bible, like has anybody ever said and you're really articulate um they didn't say that (laughs) but it's like i'm like how many people work at our school who are intelligent who can teach who are athletic and who know the bible like um and you know for that to be in a from person of my north like that is a it's an anomaly even i had a i had a job before and, and somebody told me they're just like i just don't understand how a you know smart you know athletic like you can dance good looking and you like read like these nerdy books with you know one of my best friends it's just like i just don't i don't get how all those things come together and it's, i was just like well i mean i don't know like i know a lot of people who like just it's funny because i'm thinking about the statistic you gave and like in my friend group of like my close guys including myself four of us are teachers um, and so like, whereas, you know, that you don't see many, you know, all over the place. Like I, I know a lot of African-American male teachers, like, and I just like know of, but like we were friends even before we started teaching. Um, and some, one, you know, a couple of them work in schools that, you know, are pretty diverse. One is, you know, probably majority African-American. One, I actually think his, he's in Frisco and his school is like predominantly, um, Indian, like Middle Eastern, and you know, there's difficulties all over, but none of them share the same difficulties that I have um, in terms of the their relationships with uh, and their interactions on staff. And I think I think one of the biggest things is um, people have to. And and some and part of this being here three years, like I'm wondering if that's part of the journey and like the ministry of me being here is it something has to expose the prejudice. And I don't mean that in a way of, oh, people are racist. Like, I feel like that's like the that's the jolt reaction that like stops all the conversation. And it's not that it's just a you only see the world through one lens, through one story and like. And it's not just that that's all that you see, because I only have a certain lens, but it's no other story is believable. Like no other story has validity. No other story has value. And so then when you come in contact with it, 
you either like make light of it you um push it away or like you become so enamored by it that you um that you almost treat it like a i don't know like a i don't know like a prop like oh god look at this cool little yeah. toy with a unicorn yeah exactly <laughs> and i've got i've gotten that too yeah um and so and i don't know it's if i knew exactly what to say to a group right now like i probably would tell everybody else but i think it's just this this uh day-to-day battle of these small conversations um uh, and to your point about me biting my tongue i think that was the last part you asked like how do i know when to bite my tongue and so much of that is i at the end of the day my goal is for um you know i think earlier i asked you know like why why i came here even it like i knew that i was stepping into a predominantly white space um god had made it very clear to me when i was in college that um him bringing all things in himself together um as he talked about in colossians we see in revelation we see him talking about reconciliation in uh corinthians like that that is a a part of the gospel work um uh, we see that in the parable with the good samaritan and just the cultural and uh relations there that were um broken down we see that in acts with the council of in jerusalem like they're trying to figure out how do we incorporate the gentiles into what's like all of what the part a big part of what the gospel is accomplishing is bringing people together and he made it very clear to me like i want you doing that and so whatever that looks like in my life like i know that's the position i'm in because he keeps putting me in places to do that um and so knowing that being here everything that i say has to help move towards that if it's if i feel like this is going to push people away or this is going to this needs to be said but if i say it right now how i want to say it this isn't going to reconcile this is going to further divide um i got to wait until i can say it in a way that they'll be able to hear it cuz i think that's the the biggest part is sometimes we right especially you know we tweet and we we say reactionary things is we say stuff the way we feel it but it's not in a way where people can hear it and a lot of times people are like well I don't care whether they heard or not I had to say what I had to say and I'm like I don't think that's for me and what God has called me to do that's not going to going to fly um and so it's hard um if I'm honest there's lots of times where I get in my car and I scream like literally literally um because I don't know what to do with what I'm dealing with and then to like meet faces that are like I don't understand what the problem is it's almost like you're in a, in a scary movie uh, <laughs> um but yeah it's hard well I am I I want to say thank you so much cuz I know the cost on you um is a lot um, to walk into the daily, to have that um, inner wrestling, but also to obey and to know that um, you're doing what God has told you to do. And so I'm grateful that you've done that with us. And um, we feel very blessed that you've done that with us. And um, I think we're going to wrap up this podcast because I, you know time... What? I, oh. I want to pray for DeMarcus. I would love that. I, I know that's going to be weird on a podcast, but I'm just, I'm thankful for yeah. him. So uh, Lord, I just thank you so much for DeMarcus. I thank you for uh, bringing him to our staff. I thank you for uh, just giving him the wisdom, uh, the strength, uh, the courage, uh, Father, just to walk in daily uh, and to uh, to represent you uh, and to help us uh, expand 
uh, our horizons to know you and to see you uh, bigger and broader, uh, Father, just through his eyes uh, and his experiences, Father, that have made us better and have drawn us closer to you. Father, I just pray that you just continue to lift him up, uh, give him the strength, uh, Father, and the courage to be the man of God that you've called him to be. And we love him and we know you do too. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we hope this podcast, like all other podcasts, has started um, a dialogue, a conversation, whether inner or with other people, um, and that you are able to take some things away and process on maybe how that applies in your community. And we hope to, um, that you will join us for our next podcast. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Grace 360. As always, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are for educational purposes and are not intended to be divisive or inflammatory in nature. We hope you listened and learned as much as we have in the process of producing the show and pray you'll join us for our next episode. You can find us on social media. We would love to have you as part of our discussion with your thoughts and questions. Once again, thank you for listening to Grace 360.